Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and Falcon and Winter Soldier. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. Zalvin, this is your app, buddy. Hi, you excited? Uh, number one Baron Zemo fan on over screen? here. My time has finally come. My ship has come in. We're going to be talking about Power Broker, <laughs> the third episode of the series. Now, requisite spoiler warning here. If you haven't watched the episode, go watch it. I'm sure you woke up at 3 a.m. just as we all did. Like and we've us. been talking about it nonstop for the past couple of hours, nonstop. just really breaking down, heavily scripting this show, so we are ready to go. I like to get up at like 3.02 to really mm-hmm. let it marinate a little bit for those first couple yeah. of minutes. Oh, wow. And then press wow. play. You know? Wow. Yes, 100%. And also, I like to just sort of fairly uh, let people, you know, have the chance to watch it. So that's exactly. why Before I, I start oh, shouting see. spoilers on Twitter, I wait till 3.02. <laughs> Super nice And of course, guys. Alex, you scream first when you press play on it, right? Every time. For every Joe. show. Even when it's just on broadcast. <laughs> just, ah, first! And at Broadway performances, you're like, first! Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I love this! So in this episode, just to give you the broad strokes, this picks up right where we left off, pretty much. 53 in- minutes! Woohoo! Left off in episode two, as Sam and Bucky have gone to visit Zemo in prison to get information on the power broker. They don't know about the power broker yet, but find out about the power broker. Find out how the Flag Smashers got this super soldier serum and what's going on with that. He has researched that over the years, so they think he's going to be a good source. But of course, as we suspected the last episode of this podcast, they end up actually breaking Zemo out of jail and teaming up with him. We called it. In a hilarious buddy comedy, and uh, they head uh, to none other than Madripoor, which is a very important location for I X-Men fans. Yeah. I'm sure we'll get into this a bit. That's where they meet Sharon Carter, who's been hanging out there. They get into a big action scuffle there, find out more about the Super Soldier Serum, head on the next chapter of their journey. While in the background, John Walker and Battlestar are hot on their heels and just getting hotter on their heels as we go. Mm. And when we leave off, they've gone to investigate the next lead and enter Wakanda. That's where we yeah. leave off at the end there. So lots to talk about in this episode. Um, I, I'm curious. You know, I I think we've talked about this a little bit, and I know Pete's going to yell at me because he never likes anything negative to be said. So I'll caveat this with, I continue to have fun watching this series. I enjoy part of this, but I'm still not 100% sure what's going on with the characters necessarily and the themes. It's starting to feel much more muddled to me episode by episode. While three more apps left. Sure. And it might all wrap up. That's why, like, I'm holding off for the moment. I'm making any broad judgments. But I definitely felt, too, with this episode, a lot of it was setting up plot but not focusing on the part that I'm most interested in personally, which is Sam and his battle for the shield. That was only very tangentially touched on. And it feels like a lot of the themes in the episode are not touching on that either. They're there to service the super soldier plot. Uh, What's your guys takeaway? Are you feeling the same way or completely disagree? First off, first off, Pete, I know, wait, Pete, I just to frame up for anybody who's new to this podcast, Pete knows that if I say anything bad about Marvel movies or TV shows, that's it. They're not going to make anymore. Yep. They're shutting it down. So Atlanta. So first off, no, that is not my point. My point is all you've been doing is being like, man, I can't wait for Zemo. Oh man, just give me a Zemo up. Where's my goddamn Zemo up? You get a whole Zemo up. 
Zemo dances. <laughs> Zemo puts on the mask. You don't know if he's going to put on the mask, but then he whoops ass with the mask on, then takes it off and being all cool. You get to see his rides. You get to see his style. You All you get is Zemo in this app, and then you have the balls to turn around and go, you know, muddle. No, no, I want to know about the characters. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Eat your yeah. popcorn and enjoy yeah. the ride. Eat your popcorn. Eat your popcorn. Yeah, I mean, I'll t- hold on. I'll tell you what I do, Pete, because a lot of people on the podcast don't necessarily know this, and you know this, of course. That's why you brought it up. Is because we watch these episodes first thing in the morning. I'll set the popcorn maker on a timer the night before, uh, so, so I wake up smart. to those sweet seat sounds. Smart. And if I don't get there in two and a half minutes, I'm screwed. That's burnt popcorn, baby. Oh, yeah, and man, of course you you purchase that. one of those um, Coke machines where it's just a bunch of buttons and you can get any flavor. Freestyle, so, yeah, freestyle. Uh, <laughs> you got those in the house. Uh, there's a, you hired an usher there who's like, "Hey man, feed off the seats." Enough. Yeah, of it's I hired. I was I like, "Listen, I want a surprisingly aggressive usher," <laughs> and they're out Flash of work right now, so I'm just helping the community. Surprise! Flash that in your aggressive. face. <laughs> um, Obviously, and for those of you who don't know, Pete is Alex's um, father, and um, Alex wanted Zemo for his birthday, and then Pete yeah. got it for him, and clearly it wasn't enough for Alex. It wasn't <laughs> and, enough. You know, do you know how long I had to, uh, to stand in line to get that Zemo for you? They were almost out. I appreciate it. I they gave you the vaccine little... at the same time, though, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Free. Um, uh, I... Uh, I hear you, Alex, on your complaints um, or your issues, because I I agree in that we set up in the first episode when the characters were separate, when Falcon Winter Soldier were separate for each other and everyone was separate. We got to see a little bit of like, oh, I see they put some items on the table. We got um, uh, we got Winter Soldier's trauma that he's trying to fix. We got (coughs) Sam um, dealing with uh, the post blip struggles um struggles being uh, a black person in america like all of that all that stuff on the end like identity um trying legacy filling that stuff in we got all that on the table trying to get loans yeah then second episode there's a little bit less of that and a little bit more plot and this episode they were like plot time we can't <laughs> we can't deal with that they talk about like race a little bit but it feels very mm-hmm. it's like not touching it's on mostly, it in the right way it's mostly zemo yeah. Telling Sam how to feel as a black man, which right. is weird. It, very weird. And it, like yeah. uncomfortable, legitimately. And maybe that was purposeful. But it, I think it feels weird in the absence of sort of furthering those themes they set out in the first episode. So I definitely hear that um, on the Pete front. The Zemo, the, I was surprised this episode focused so much on Zemo. And I, I, I liked that. Like he is an interesting character. And again, furthering it further confuses sort of the good guy, bad guy narrative of this series. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it, especially the way that Zemo talks about, uh, you know, things, it's all very matter of fact. And he even is on the side of Falcon and, uh, but Falcon was like, okay, all right. It's weird that you're saying that, but yeah, I agree with you. Uh, like yeah. there was some fun moments there. Like you really got to see a lighter side to a very, villainous character and i thought zalbin would just be a pig and shit in this episode <laughs> loving all the different sides of zemo that we're spending time with but then he could, all he does is talk about i can't wait for zim i'll keep complaining if you want this is two I other things can't. that i was frustrated about with zemo who i still like and i think daniel brule is great and i appreciate Ooh. the fact that everybody loves him dancing up in the club Two things on different sides love baron zemo in the comics he's an amazing yes doing the doing the fist pump love it mm-hmm. 
the in the comics he's he was a great moved villain. By the music. He's a great villain. I love him in the comics. Obviously problematic because of his Nazi background. They yeah. don't have that in the show, and they don't have to the MCO, and certainly it's better for it. But the. This is something that they kind of sneak, not exactly sneak in there, but fit in there with the MCU continuity, which makes sense. I'd have no problems with it. But mentioning that he's a baron like he was in the comics makes it weird to me retroactively for Civil War. And mind you, this might be headcanon a little bit, but because he could have been royalty. But what we knew from Civil War is that he lived just outside of Sokovia. They thought they'd be safe during Avengers Age of Ultron. They were not. He blamed the Avengers and proceeded to take them down and win by the end of Civil War. So that's a huge deal. But I think the part of it, the thing that makes it so powerful in Civil War, is that relatively speaking... He is a regular guy and a regular citizen of Sivkovia, as far as we know, who is doing it. And it makes it that much stronger that his hate, his thirst for revenge pushed him so hard to take down the world's most powerful super team. Here we find out he's a baron, <laughs> very rich, has his own plane and Man tons of, of resources. Man of people just walking in the streets being like, sus. Like, oh, Zemo's back Which, divorced from anything else, is fun to watch. Again, yeah. I want yeah. to keep emphasizing this. I am having fun watching this show. But there it's are these little better. things that happen like that that I'm like, ah, I I don't know that that adds as much to the MCU as I would have liked. And the other thing, the mask is fun. It was only there because Daniel Bruhl is not going to do that action sequence. That was the only reason. Wow. Oh, you shut really, your mouth. Really you really shut your mask mouth. is the most Come crucial on. part of his character, like how Mary Jane's hair has to be red or Captain America needs to be blonde. These are all the crucial parts of these characters wow. that need oh, to be held I on to. I know. What are you doing? I'm being right very now. weird. Who are you? Yeah. You fucking monster <laughs> I will say, outside of your just... production um, problem with the mask, sure. the fact that he, in this episode, uh, Falcon Winter Soldier, as their heroes characters, don't appear. Like, they're doing some espionage stuff, they're shooting guns, but Zemo's the one that gets to be the sort of superhero, quote-unquote. He gets to put on the mask and sort of help them out of a bad situation. I thought that was super interesting and odd to me. I, it was crazy how quickly Zemo was just fucking running shit. Like hey, it was all Zemo's like collar, idea once, plans. Once that fur collar pops, Zemo's gone. <laughs> yeah, like fucking. This was definitely like a some kind of crossover between Zo- Zoolander and Zemo. Like there was, it was Ooh. like so mad but like he's like, did you know? Do you know what you're doing? But like you know, the blue steel comes through in the end. I I thought it was. Weird, but also just wait. Hold fun. on, before like we move on too far, I just want to throw this out there. What is this? A museum for Ant Man? Okay. Okay. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. All right. See, um, uh, I I use Zoolander comparison. I don't um, quite understand. But I'll take it. Um, I feel like uh, Zemo's sort of the Joe Pesci here. Oh wow! Interesting. Um, just, lethal Weapon. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Not my cousin Vinny. Yeah, he's sort of the my cousin Vinny. Yeah, the two okay. youths. And Marissa uh, Tomei is like the from Aunt Goodfellas. Oh, uh, one hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> I just thought it was interesting. Instead of Zemo just being an awful person, awful character, they really went out of their way to show Zemo in a different light, and it was. Very different from because it started with him using the code words against Winter Soldier just to throw it in his face. But then it was like, oh, I can I don't need these words. I can play him like a fiddle regardless. Gets him to break him out. And 
and Winter Soldier talking to Falcon, just being like, yeah, so, uh, you know, let's uh, hypothetically, yeah. let's say we, uh, you know, started a prison riot. Uh, oh, yeah, Zemo's here. I, uh, okay. Listen. I like that. That just, felt very like Ocean's Eleven so uh, style. Like, yeah. oh, the plan? It's already been done. Here he is. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been done. Uh, I, very much Marvel uh, movie making. Um, the fact that Winter Soldier was like, yeah, let's break him out. He's on our team now. I was like, you that's a quick decision, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was Well, a particularly very quick... because in retrospect, as we find out later in the episode, they go to Madripoor to get this information, but who's running Madripoor? It's Sharon Carter. So yeah. I guess she's off the grid. I guess Madripoor is the secret place, but it does feel like the sort of thing that the US government probably knows she's there, but can't extradite her. So yeah. they could have said, Hey, she's You're- you don't have to break Zemo out of prison. Just go to Sharon. Just go to Sharon, exactly. Cut out the middle yeah. man. Sharon's running yeah. shit, man. This episode was like, you guys having fun? You playing games? <laughs> I'm fucking running shit. Yeah. Well, you guys are running around doing whatever. Like this now, is now. Uh, while we're talking about this, before we move on, and this is definitely getting way deep into the X Men speculation. Well, yes. but uh, Sharon Carter, Agent Thirteen has been heavily linked often with Captain America, with Wolverine. There's this great, I think it's an X-Men issue, where it's Wolverine, Black Widow, and Captain America teaming up in Madripoor, which is super fun. It's like X-Men 180, I want to say. Yeah, which this feels like a little bit of a nod in that direction, was all I wanted to say. Just having Madripoor there, it feels like a whole new area of the Marvel Universe is unlocked. Like, so much stuff happens in Madripoor. I thought they did a good job showing Madripoor for what it is. This, like, always nighttime place where there's just crime, criminals running loose. Um, they made a joke about, like, New York not being able to hang with Madripoor. I was like, oh, man, shots fired. <laughs> if we just get a quick shot, I, I want someone to either find it or Photoshop um, Hugh Jackman wearing an eye patch in the back of one of these mad reports. I'm sure shots. it is already <laughs> all yeah. over the internet by this point. Let's but see it. Uh, speaking, oh, go I was going to say, um, what do we feel like uh, Zemo being established as the Jay Leno of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? <laughs> oh, having so many cars, 100. percent So many or cars. Apologizing like, for his past racism. Which one? I guess technically oh. both. <laughs> <laughs> News, topical, or maybe Jay Leno's the Baron Zemo of our universe. Oh, yeah. Think about that. I mean, I did appreciate when he reached into a car and then saw the purple kind of mask, like the hesitation, the kind of awe of it was a a fun little moment there. And I I thought that was Plus the segment of Baron walking where he walked around and asked tourists dumb questions. I thought was really, (laughs) really pointed. Very funny. Very provocative (laughs) is what I would say. So provocative. But uh, speak, you know, someone brought up oceans, uh, whatever. Here, I they did have that moment where <laughs> that's. Uh, I'm sorry, the second half of that title is not hard to remember. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know if it's easier. eleven, twelve, oh, okay. thirteen, uh, whichever one was the one where uh, the actress was like playing herself, and it got real meta. Yeah, like that part with uh, you know Sam was a little weird, where he was smiling tiger. Um, it was fun to watch him do that shot, but I felt like we did a lot of work just to make him do a snake baby shot. Well, you know, the great snake baby. Um, a lot of bars have snakes underneath. You just got to ask, like, for the right cocktail. For I'm, the I'm usual? a bartender. So I'm a former yeah. bartender, so, like, I know. Like, you mm-hmm. got, I always okay, had to, like, you know, you, your... when you set up your bar, you'd, like, restock the bottles, cut your limes and lemons, feed the snake a rat so the snake stays alive so you can eventually cut it open for venom. That's right. uh, they did that in Cheers, right? Every time 
Uh, Norm would come in. They just pull the snake out from the bar, yeah. cut it open, yeah. and serve it to him. Yeah, that was a Woody thing. He's always like, mm-hmm. um, "Mr. Peterson, so Justin, here's your shot of <laughs> snake baby." <laughs> so, because you're such a bartender, uh, how good is a snake baby shot? Uh, you know, is it delicious? It's really good. Is a it... lot of people like. Some people like um, just your straight up tequila salt. Um, some people like a lemon drop. Uh, the real drink <laughs> just is... to uh, honestly check. It's not a snake baby, right? Like it's the venom glands that they were. I'm cutting assuming out of the... it was venom. Okay. I didn't. You know, we didn't get an anatomy lesson on the snake, but uh, snake babies are solid. While that was liquid, so that's where I would say the difference is. I don't know. It was tough to tell, man. You know, the angle that they were showing the shotguns. Mm-hmm. It looked like a little snake baby was yeah, in. Yeah, like probably eat, eat that's a deleted scene. They'll put that up next week or something. Like just to be clear, this is a yeah. snake baby. I'm serving you. Drink like Zemo drinks. Have a snake, baby. <laughs> oh, man. And then Zemo's like, don't you fucking break right now. We're all in this. Yeah. You die with the lie. They were so like, sneaky in that bar, whispering to each other very loudly yeah. <laughs> about oh, what was man. going on. Yeah, no one could. I don't blow this. Hey, what did that guy just say? Nothing. Don't speak English, right? Okay. Oh. And Sam drank that shot like a champ. He smelled it like a real pro. He smelled it. That touched his chin with it. Looked at it a couple of times. Then finally, I was like, man, this guy knows how to blend it. And I'm glad that we got to stop and fight about how good Marvin Gaye is, because I think it's important. Mm-hmm. You know, Marvin Gaye is unbelievable. And I don't care what time period you're from. You got to stop and appreciate it. I, I do want to mention, because we've been bouncing around this a little bit. Some of the dialogue in the past couple of episodes, just purposely, I think, action movie style is kind of clunky and whatever. But Anthony Mack is doing the most with absolutely everything. Like, even if it's a clunky joke, he makes it work. And I think that's great. Uh, I agree with you. Yeah, because it is. um, I mean, this does feel like we, we, we hold our TV dialogue to a higher standard than movie dialogue, I think. Because it's a show we're watching at home. It's something we're like, oh, we're sifting through a little bit while movies were like. I'm going to get on this ride and see where it ends. So I do think... Yeah, you buy popcorn for movies. Right, or you have your personal um, popcorn popper there. Yes, my usher does it for me in the morning, but however however you get your popcorn, that's not the point. And your usher was right. the same guy that was um, Baron's pilot and champagne deliverer? <laughs> that guy <laughs> loves Baron Zebo way more than I do. Oh, I, That wow. guy was the oldest person I think I've ever seen. <laughs> and he was piloting that plane? Oh, I think so. I no, think that's what they revealed. You've seen, you seen Big Trouble, Little China. Come on. That guy was so much older. That's true. But this guy, uh, I don't know. I just, I thought it was such a funny casting choice. And the way the guy was like sort of goofy. He was like giggling it up yeah. with Zemo. He's like, ah, we are old and racist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's so not, though. Awful. That's the thing is Baron Zemo is not exactly racist. Meanwhile, John Walker who we haven't really talked about yet, definitely delving into the real bad side. He's going off the deep end real quick here. Yeah, I feel like seeing his anger right at the top of the episode, I was like, aha, now we're going in that direction. And it was interesting how much work they put into making him sort of a regular guy in the last episode. And in this, they're immediately like, nope, he's a dick. Later. (laughs) He was also so close in that scene where he breaks into where the Flag Smashers were and confronts the guy. He says, don't you know who I am, right? Yeah. Which wasn't that, but there's a very famous scene, if you've ever seen it, in The Ultimates, where Captain America points at his head and says, do you think this A stands for France? And it felt like that had the same energy. I almost thought he was going to say that in there, but obviously he did not. Yeah. Uh, what else should we talk about? We should, there's a ton of action I sequences. Did, 
I did really appreciate the spit in the face that the fake Captain America got. I thought that was well earned and deserved. Um, But yeah, I agree with you. The action sequences were amazing. It was great to see Aaron Carter or uh, Sharon Carter just whooping some areas. Go, you said it. You have to commit. (laughs) Make it make sense. It was. uh, (laughs) Yeah, there was some music. It was some dancing. And then Aaron Carter punched a bunch of people in the face. No, I think that like. I, I really enjoyed the whole, like, uh, you know, we're getting swarmed here. And then she got to beat up some people and then run inside and join the action. So I thought that was great. Um, and it was also, there was just a lot of fun fight sequences in between stuff that was uh, very much appreciated. Well, this is taking a step back to what we were talking about earlier. But in terms of Sharon and Madripoor as a whole and spending so much time on it, it really did feel like there was a lot of thought put into making this Marvel's next big location. You know, maybe Mm. not the same level of world building as Wakanda, because that was insane and over the top in terms of what they did there in that movie and incredible. But it it gave a very similar feeling to me in terms of like, you got this, you got Hightown, you got Lowtown, here's Madripoor, this is what it looks like, here's how you get in, here's how it works, that it's clearly the sort of thing that they wanted to establish so that they can potentially bring back down the road. Yeah, they definitely put it on the map in a very real way. It's not like in movies where they're just like even Sokovia, like that's on the map. But it was like, hey, this is a place we're doing now. And then we're not going to do really again. Let's talk about yeah. it a little bit. But this, it feels like they're sort of forward casting Madripoor. They're like being like writing it down for us so that we can take <laughs> it and go go home with it, which I think is great. I'm excited about Madripoor as, uh, as a location and not even just X-Men speculation stuff like so many heroes and villains in the comics run through Madripoor. Just yep. setting up a place like that where you can have villains mention, ah, we got to get out of here. We got to get to Madripoor. Like you're saying, it doesn't need to be. And then Wolverine's in the background. It can just be a place. Uh, that yeah. said, two little Easter eggs here. We get the Brass Monkey Bar and the Princess Bar. Princess Bar is a place that I believe Wolverine did hang out at quite a bit when he would go to Madripoor as Patch. Brass Monkey, meanwhile, uh, is just another bar. That funky monkey. <laughs> in Madripoor. Right. So there you go. Uh, a couple of other Easter eggs while we're touching on stuff that I wrote down. Um, the Smiling Tiger is a completely different character in the comics. Mm-hmm. Conrad Mack, he's a new Warriors character. So I don't know if you know him, Justin. Um, yes, but he, he sort of came to more prominence after the, uh, or the mid-90s run, I believe. Um, but yeah. Yeah, uh, but totally different. It's just using the name. That's it. Uh, Dr. Wilfred Nagel, who is the doctor who... I, I was calling him Dr. Bagel. Oh, <laughs> oh cool. <laughs> um, let, let me ask you, I, Pete, how do, what, do you, what do you want to do with that? Should we... <laughs> well, I, I, it just is very plain. He's a plain bagel, and I'm glad they shot him. I, was, I didn't like him in the beginning. I didn't like him, you know, dead. He was a little you, bit better. He, but... he was better dead? You hate plain bagels, yeah. right? Ah, oh, there's nothing worse. You know, there's, you got to do so much work worse. to get it nice. He is <laughs> directly from Truth, Red, White, and Black, which is the same place that Isaiah comes from last episode, Isaiah Bradley. And uh, yeah, he he basically serves the same function there. He was the one, in case you couldn't figure it out, that you probably can. He was the one who was mining Isaiah's blood in the show. He reproduced the super soldier formula after that. So he wasn't really like a genius or anything, but the other interesting detail before I get into other things that I jotted down is we don't find out who the power broker is. We we speculated about this a little bit. It's the title of the episode and we don't even get to meet the power broker. 
talked about a little bit, but that's That it. feels like a thing, right? Because yeah. last episode, we speculated that maybe the power brokers of the United States government, maybe the uh, power broker was something else, not what we were expecting. But at least based on this episode, it does seem like the power broker is somebody and potentially somebody we're going to meet down the road in this series. I would hope so. All the talk about the person. A lot of talk about the power broker. I thought for sure. And yeah. maybe it's someone we already know or something like that. Is it Sharon? Ooh. It could be Sharon, it's probably right? Sharon. It'd be weird yeah, if they didn't reveal ma- that this episode. Yes. Right? Um, yeah. I don't know. And on the, well, on the so- other thing of like things I was surprised, like you were just describing the Isaiah Bradley as where the, the, the serum came from. I was surprised they didn't make that connection explicit. It was sort of like... Um, Right, like I feel like, like they're weirdly underplaying all the truth stuff in the show. Granted, there have only been two things so far, but yeah. to your point, both of them, they're a big deal yeah. for continuity, for Marvel Comics, for what the show could say about certain things. And at least right now, and granted we're only halfway through the series, it doesn't feel like they're hitting it quite as hard as they could. I feel like we're going to get a but, big, I think they're, un, I hope they're underplaying it so that they can give us a reveal later that um, Isaiah comes hoping. back uh, and has a has a heroic moment yeah, or something like that because they included him in the previously on for sh- for sure and then the fact that it wasn't explicitly yeah. referenced when they were talking about the serum I was just surprised that it was like sort of hey if you're listening you'll get this but if you're not you might miss it yeah I'm I'm really hoping for a better use of that because just, if that's all we get it's going to be kind of super sad but I did. It was an interesting story that Dr. Bagel was talking about where it was like, I was right in the middle of like 20 vials of this huge discovery. And then I got turned to dust. Yeah. And it was like, oh, and then he's like five years later and it's not even funded. And I don't even know what's going on. I was like, man, Dr. Bagel, Bagel. you should probably get shot. (laughs) I I, like that. I thought that was a nice speech. Smart. Yeah. And I like this Mm. secret shipping container lab. I thought was cool. Alex, you must have loved sort of the, Lostian um, introduction to the lab. It was very mm-hmm. like uh, so cool. I was like, "Who is it? Is it Desmond? Is Desmond the doctor? What's going on? Where where is wow. Desmond?" And that's the big question that I think the series is going to answer going forward. Where's Desmond? It's not Penny's boat. I think is one thing we can <laughs> we can establish that. We can establish well. that. This is fun. I'm getting all these references. Let's talk about the cliffhanger at the end as Bucky follows those little Wakanda balls around the corner and discovers Ao from Black Panther, from Dora Milaje, baby, come on! From Civil War. That was so loud. From uh, Infinity War. I don't, I assume she was in Endgame because everybody was in Endgame, played by Florence Kasumpa. Um, This is great. I like this. I love the strains of the Black Panther theme sneaking sneaking in there at the end. Super fun twist. And, like, I agree. It's great. I was very surprised uh, that they went that way. And I like we got a mention earlier on in the series, or I guess last episode, about Bucky as his time in Wakanda was important. And the fact that we get this, I'm like, yes, this is great. Really weaving the continuity together in a way that I didn't expect them to do. Yeah, it was good because Bucky was like, you know, uh, we're not going to be the only if Zemo just appears you know, like Wakanda's not going to not do anything. So like the, the reveal of like, I'm here for Zemo and like, uh, I knew it was only a matter. Oh, it was just so And great. again, throwing another wrench in their plan where it's like uh, Zemo, bad guy, but they need him. So they keep bringing him around. He is helping them. Wakanda, good guys. We want Zemo. Well, we can't give you Zemo. Then they're all again in this miasma of who's right, who's and, wrong. And we've got three more apps that kind of wrap up all these threads, which I'm nervous I, about. And I mean, I agree with you a little bit because it's like 
you got to start. We've we, they keep opening it up and they got to start closing. Yeah, it keeps it bigger and yeah. bigger. Yeah, keeps getting bigger and bigger. It's like no, no, no. no. But I do way. think if this series has movie structure to it, it makes sense that now it's still a little bit open, and then next episode we're going to start to get some bad things happening and things starting to like come together a little bit. Do you think we'll have like? two more Zemo dance breaks before the end of this whole thing being over? Like how many The next more? episode is just Zemo's dance hour. Oh, yeah. that's yeah, there's no worth it. <laughs> Very little story. It's just a lot of, it's yeah. sort of like MTV's The Grind from back in the 90s. <laughs> but with Zemo. Zemo's going to be the um, Eric Nice. Nobody's getting that rap, dude. I love Here, it. Here, I'll update it a little bit. He's going to do masks off, dance off. Whoa! Oh, nice. wow. Pants off, dance off. Also <laughs> very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. on Fuse, a lesser Fuse, known network. Yes. <laughs> uh, oh, I do want to bring up the Flag Smashers. We haven't really talked about them yet because they have this nice through line throughout the episode. My takeaway, yeah, my big takeaway here is that they seem like they're on the side of right, but clearly Carly is starting to go too far. Was that your takeaway as well? Yeah. Yeah, and they do a nice thing where they we get to see sort of like, we get to know her even more. We get to know like what she wanted to be. Like we see her softer side. And then- Yeah, she wanted to be a teacher. And then the next scene with her, she's like, hey, we got to go hard here. Well, I mean, the other the other person was right. They needed some time for her to mourn. I think she's using her anger in ways that- uh, is not helpful as you know, she was going to mourn and then, you know, have some time and then hopefully she can be a better person. But that was like, Oh no, Carly. No, Carly. Why Carly? Oh. I do wonder if we're going to get some sort of conversation down the line between Zemo and Carly and what that would mean, whether it'll bring Carly further over the edge or potentially Zemo bringing her back in some way. I, and can Zemo teach her to dance? I, yep. Yes. That's the big I w- question. I would throw out, yeah, they sort of, maybe, I feel like we're going to get a nobody puts baby in the corner moment between Carly and Zemo. Ooh, Zemo, yeah. of course, is the baby. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah we, we all, all know, know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, honestly, like, what if Zemo joins, <laughs> is he, could he potentially be convinced to become, to join the Flag Smashers? Like, And will Zemo figure out about TikTok and, like, really take his dancing to a whole nother mm-hmm. level? These are all very good questions that we're definitely going to follow equally going forward throughout this podcast. Let's just recap sort of what Pete's big points, takeaways from the episode. Fuck Dr. Bagel. When will Zemo dance again? And I'm I'm mad at Alex because he didn't enjoy his birthday present. And also, uh, breadcrumbs are free, but the bakery costs money. Mm, Very true. Look, there we are. That's the ravings of a madman. Hey, that's all the time we have. <laughs> <laughs> Two other quick things. Uh, there are a bunch of names that are thrown out of this episode. One, Selby, the person that they meet at the bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a character in the comics named Selby who's part of the Mutant Liberation Front, but it's an entirely different character, so I don't think that's the reference there. More likely, it's D. Selby, who is a sound editor who's worked on a bunch of Marvel projects, or it could just be a Aww. character named Selby. And that's pretty much it. But the other one that I thought was super funny, just because we talked about it in the first episode, is Bucky's notebook. Because I remember we had a conversation about people plumbing for Easter eggs and saying, okay, it's interesting that Bucky wrote in his notebook because also Steve wrote in his notebook. And in episode three, we found out they're the same notebook. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. That's there you Just go. One, Turns out it was an actual Easter egg, and I apologize to anybody I made fun of about that. And I'll tell you what, Ooh, being so close should. to Easter, the Easter eggs really seem so much more important. So much sweeter. Aww. So much sweeter. They can taste the chocolate. 
Before we wrap up here, what is on your vision board for the next episode, Justin? Uh, like I said, sort of starting to put all of these characters in a, a direction as opposed to that we've sort of just seen them pop and they're um, here uh, opening up the story more. I want to start to see them really close it up. I want to, who's going to fight? Who are the good guys? Who are the bad guys? Maybe there aren't any and it's just these these characters making hard decisions. And honestly, we didn't see any sort of falconing here in this episode. I'm ready to see some more falcon. Yeah, to that point, on my vision board, I want to see more of Sam and Bucky. All of these other yeah. elements are distracting from the core lethal weapon nature. Of... You hate Zemo. You get yeah. too much Pesci. <laughs> That's the thing. Don't throw in the middle. Don't have him popping over their heads like he does on the poster. You guys know what I'm talking about, listening, and also uh, you, Justin and Pete. Everybody mm-hmm. remembers the classic poster from Lethal Weapon 3, I want to say. Uh, of course, we all know, definitely Three know the number of the movies. <laughs> yeah. But I want to see the more concentration on them. I feel like they're getting a little lost in the middle of everything so that when they do come together and when they do fight in a funny way, it's surprising, but I want to see that more consistently. Pete, what about you? What's on your vision board? Well, speaking of fighting in a funny way, I did love how the prison fight started. And as the guy jumped over the table, you saw he had like a lower back tattoo. I thought that was really funny. Um <laughs> But I think moving you want to see forward, more of that tattoo. We, no, I just thought it was hysterical that there was like a, you know, a, a you know, quote unquote tramp stamp on the back of that dude's uh, thing. That was really funny. All right. Um, moving forward, Sharon and Dora Milaje. That's all I need. And we can just forget all these other threads, threads <laughs> and other stuff that's going on in this TV show and just focus on that. And I'd be uh, super happy. All right. Sounds good. If you'd like to support our show, <laughs> patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Falcon and Winter Soldier. Socially, at Marvel Vision Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show. On iTunes in particular, leave us a comment and rate us. We would really appreciate it. On YouTube, at comic book club, comic book club live.com for this podcast and more until next time you're marvelous